Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match review and it's a bumper episode today because we're not only going to speak about Newcastle's defeat to Liverpool but also the NUFC women's victory over Anik 4-0 at St James's Park. I'm Andrew Musgrove, I'm joined by Aaron Stokes now and that's where we're going to start historic day for the NUFC women's side who played in front of more than 22,000 people up at St James's Park on Sunday. Really good atmosphere, a bumper crowd, I think, actually more than they were expecting, given the fact they had delayed kickoff by 15 minutes. I was in the queue a quarter to two, and the scenes outside, everyone was calm and happy, but there were a lot of people trying to get into the stadium, and no wonder they delayed it. But it was great to see the stands packed out, Great to see also Anik get a, a, a chance to perform in front of a really big crowd. But what a day for the women's side of Newcastle United. Yeah, absolutely historic. It was a fantastic day. Admittedly, I, I didn't expect it to be as big a crowd as it was. I don't think anybody really did. I know that the club thought that they would have to use, obviously, the Gallagher and the Lisas, but I don't think they actually expected how many fans would be there, especially, obviously, with the kickoff being delayed. But... Just goes to show, I think, how united the football club is at the minute. I think I, I wrote yesterday if Mike Ashley was still in charge, then the game game definitely wouldn't have been at St James Park. And even if it had been, I don't think it would have drawn anywhere near the attendance it did. So yeah, a fantastic day for the club, especially for the women's team. They were all absolutely buzzing when they came off the pitch, even though that they they just missed out on promotion. So fantastic for them, fantastic for their families, and and great to see that the owners are sticking to the promises that they're making. Um, from day one 100% and we'll get on to what Amanda Stavely said all those months ago and how she's she stuck by her words for the women's side but we mentioned there the attendance so Newcastle's game against Anik brought in 22,134 people let me just read the attendances for the championship the men's championship games over the weekend so you had Bristol versus Hull City 21,799 Blackburn versus Bournemouth, 21,396. Cardiff versus Burnham, 21,395. You then had Watford versus Burnley in the Premier League, 20,738. Then you had Millwall, Peterborough, 16,075. And there's a few other matches as well that got well under 20,000. Now, of course, some of them are on help by small stadiums, but you would say stadiums are built on demand. And clearly, you know, Newcastle's demand there for this women's game, unbelievable. And it, it did... You know, beat a lot of big games in the men's game this weekend, which is fantastic to see. And it was really nice as well, I think, at a time when money is tight, £3 in, brilliant to see. It allows a lot of people who maybe couldn't afford match your tickets to the men's game to just get a taste of, you know, not just how good the women's side are, but as you mentioned there, that just how united the club is as a whole because the owners were up in the director's box. And it was a real similar thing for that United definition of this club and the, the changes that the owners have brought in. Yeah, 100%. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. The owners, the manager, the fans, and now both the men's and the women's team. So, yeah, look, I hope it happens again. I think after the demand that we saw yesterday, it's, it's a no-brainer that it will probably happen again, hopefully next season. Becky Langley, the manager, said before the match that she hoped for double figures. Um, I don't think she was quite expecting 22,000, but... Yeah, fantastic. And I was walking into the ground about an hour before kickoff and the amount of young girls that were there and the amount of families that went. And like you said, it was obviously great that the tickets were so cheap and it allowed families to have a really good bank holiday Sunday out. And 
a lot of those young girls that went home last night and said, I want to play for Newcastle United, which is absolutely fantastic. So look, it's it's amazing that Staveley's came in and said that in the first season they wanted to make this happen. It's good that they've stuck to the word and she was on the pitch afterwards and um, hugging all the, the players and speaking at length really with Betty Langley. Um, she didn't unfortunately speak to us, um, the media, but she did speak a, a lot with the players and the manager and the support that they've given the women's team so far is um you can tell it's really appreciated by Langley and all the players especially. It's great to see and it's inspiration as you say for these young women who maybe have aspirations to become footballers and they watch the likes of uh Georgia Gibson and Katie Barker scoring goals at the Gallagher and it's in James's Park at the Leaser's End and it can only inspire them to to really achieve their dreams and we'll we'll speak about a bit of the action on the pitch I mean Barker for one was was fantastic uh, so much pace and then she she got one ruled offside didn't she and then she finally scored with a which was, was a relatively easy chance I mean you've still got to put the ball away and if you're going to be the first uh, member of the NUFC women's side to score in James's Park I'm sure that's um racing through your mind as the ball comes to your feet but she put it in and she ran off with a Shira celebration and she was speaking afterwards and she said you know to do that to do the Shira celebration it's it's something she's dreamed of something that everybody dreams of it, it, if you support Newcastle so to get that moment so special and there were a host of players who who stood out and you know they've got a very good side there Newcastle a really good side and it's such a shame that they've went all season they've only lost two games and they're going to narrowly miss out on going up because of Liverpool feds. But yeah, some really good players on the spare. Katie Barker's very good. Beth Guy had a really good game. And Becky Langley was speaking to us after the game and she said that, you know, as much as she enjoyed yesterday and it was amazing, her main sort of feeling was disappointment because she thought that this team could go up. But you've just got to look at it and you think next season, if they can build on what they've got already, then, you know, hopefully promotion will be easily achievable. But definitely some fantastic players and... and um. And yeah, some real role models for the young girls of Newcastle United. Some crunching tackles that went in. There were two penalties awarded to Newcastle. The one in the second half, it was actually a fantastic save from the Anik goalkeeper. I was in the leaders end and my eyesight isn't the best, but I'm assuming someone encroached and mm-hmm. into the box. And that's yeah. why it had to be retaken. And um, uh, Beth Guy stood up to to put it into the, the back of the net at the second time of asking. Um, but Georgia Gibson's goal was arguably the best goal of the day. You know, skips past a few players, fires it in at the bottom corner at the Gallagher. I mean, she also said that is what dreams are made of. You know, everybody that wants that sports Newcastle. When you you know when you're young, you, everyone tends to have that ambition to p- put on the black and white stripes and uh, put one in at the Gallagher. I actually have done that on an eleven so aside yeah, I've game. Done it, I've done it at the Leaser, so I've done so it at the opposite end. I'm so. sure Alan Shearer and Georgia Gibson will tell you it's not quite the same. It's special, but not quite the same if you don't do it at the Gallagher. But what an amazing moment for, for these players to, to do that. And it goes back to the crowd as well, to do that in front of 22,000 people. I mean, it's one thing to play at St. James's Park. It's one thing to score. But then to have 22,000 people out to support you, you must just be lost for words. It must have just been a dream yesterday because every single player on that pitch will have envisioned what it was going to be like and I don't think any of them would have imagined what it would have been like. 22,000 showing up. Yes, they played Nanak side who have struggled this season, but you know, winning 4-0, scoring four goals, four different scorers, all of whom were I clearly thought Anik buzzing. actually were, were very good. I think, I think we need to give a shout-out to Anik because I thought they 
battled really well. Their goalkeeper had a really good game, especially in the first half. And like you say, a fantastic save for the penalty. So, yeah, I thought they really gave it a good go. And funnily enough, I actually had an email this morning from um, the parent of a young Anik girl who was the mascot asking if um, if I had any photos of the game. And there's a lovely photo of Amanda Staveley with the three Anik mascots, three young girls. Just a magical day, both for the players, for the staff, for the supporters, for the young supporters. It felt really special being there. It was a it was a privilege there to watch it, and I'm really glad that the fans showed up in the in the numbers they did, and it it just shows how amazing the the, the support base is. But um, yeah, fantastic game, and and one that will definitely live long in the memory. And testament to Betty Lagney as well as as manager, because we mentioned all the elements there playing at St James Park for the first time. You've now really missed out on promotion and it takes a special kind of character within the team to handle all of that because just one of those is 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 it could be quite difficult for a team to handle but when you've got all these elements rolled into one it's going to take a strong manager and a strong coaching staff just to calm the players down focus on doing what you're good at and don't let the occasion get to which is easy for us to say and uh, you know, but I imagine the team talk would have been something like that. Just go out, enjoy the day, put in a good performance, and just do what you're good at, and that is winning football games. Yeah, it was interesting watching Becky Langley on on the touchline from sat just behind the dugout. I think Newcastle were two 0 up at the time, and she was still barking orders at a defence to get them tight, and there was no complacency. And I think it showed the character of Becky that we spoke to a few of the players after, and they were all just still buzzing. They were all still on that high. They're just playing for all those fans. It was a fantastic day. Whereas Becky came over and she was asked the question of, you've missed out on promotion, but does this take the shine off it? Or is it an afterthought that you've missed promotion? She was like, no. It might be an afterthought for some people, but for me, it's my first thought. And I'm really, really disappointed to have missed out on promotion. So she's done a fantastic job with very little support before the ownership there obviously changed. And I think if she can build on that next season... Um, then Newcastle will be a force to be reckoned with. And I th- also thought it was interesting what she said that um, Stavely came down on the pitch and spoke to her and her first words were basically just words of reassurance. doesn't matter that you haven't made promotion. You've done a fantastic job. You've had a fantastic season. So, yeah, it's, um, she comes across as a really, really good character. Mm. And I think from what we saw yesterday, and a few of our listeners, no doubt, follow the, the the women's side a lot more than than than, than I do and maybe some of the other other listeners but they look like they've got a good foundation there I mean you've got uh, Corcoran who scored the first penalty she looks like a, a really good player and you've got plenty of other elements in that side where there's a foundation so next season if they can hold on to their players maybe add a, a few more in they can they can hopefully achieve promotion and, and and playing as well in that stadium with that crowd that can only drive the manager and the players on to achieve in promotion because they've experienced it once. They'll hopefully get to maybe experience it again next season if you know everything goes to plan. But they'll want to experience it week in, week out, playing at these big stadiums that you do when you go up the levels of the game. So I think it'll it will really be the kind of the carrot and the stick, won't it? You know, this is what we want week in, week out. We've handled it today. Let's get promotion and let's do it across the country. Yeah, they've got they've got a great a great bunch of girls there, and they they all came across fantastic, not just on the pitch yesterday but off it. And you know, Corcoran was fantastic. It looks like she won't be staying on. She was asked after, "Oh, is it a final game?" And she said it was, even though she, you could tell she really, really wanted to stay on. 
but I think injuries are sort of caught up with her. But Katie Barker looks fantastic. I think keep her firing. We've got Anna Sosby to come. Um, she was on the bench yesterday and a part of the coaching team. She's done her ACL, but she's a really good player. So, And I think yesterday, any footballer not playing for Newcastle, watching that and seeing that they've just got 22,000 fans for a fourth-tier game at St. James's, if Newcastle come knocking for them, they're probably thinking, you know what, let's go at Newcastle. They're going to really support the women's team rather than you know picking a championship team where it's maybe still an afterthought for some clubs. So yeah, as we've said, it, it was a fantastic day and, and it will be the carrot and the stick. And a lot of the players came off and said, we wish we could play at St. James's every week, which obviously won't happen. But like I say, I'm sure it'll definitely happen again and, and the players will have that looking forward to again. Yeah, that is Cochrane's last game and it's it's one way to go out scoring a penalty because it was an absolutely superb penalty. She actually said as well, she joked that um, when the penalty was given, she saw someone else going to take the ball and she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's my last game, I'm scoring. Uh, so yeah, she, that's why she stepped up and took the first one. It was a lovely penalty and it was great to see war flags as well. It put all the, the flags out and, you know, it was it, it really special for the youngsters, I think, as well. They really wanted to grab and so did some uh, older uh, people in the crowd as well. They were really keen to, to wave the flags and, you know, the stewards were letting the, the, the little ones go up into the, the, the areas of the stands where you couldn't sit, but they would let them just to go up for a brief minute to grab a flag and bring it back down at the leaders end, which was which was a nice touch. And just to see the flags waving pretty much from, from start to finish, actually, was just nice. Some lovely photographs, some lovely video going around, and it really did add to the atmosphere. Huge credit must go to War Flags. Even if Newcastle hadn't played yesterday at St. James Park, that Liverpool display as well was just fantastic what they are doing for the football club is such an amazing advert but that away the lasses flag yesterday in the Gallagher it was such a nice touch it was just shows a little detail that they're putting into all these um all these banners and flags and I know that the players in particular yesterday were really touched that it was on display and yeah it just added to what was already an amazing atmosphere 100% and great to see them get that 4-0 win in front of their own set of fans and, and fingers crossed I don't know about you Aaron but I'm certainly going to look to, to go up to uh, up to Droid Park isn't it? And, and see the see the women play a bit more because I, I thoroughly enjoyed it yesterday and yeah. I think that is something they'll be looking to get out of it as well That it's a good advert for, for why people should go up and, 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 and watch them on a more regular basis Um on to the men's side then, the winning run at home unfortunately came to an end, but it was against t- uh, title chase in Liverpool, so maybe no surprise, Keita got the goal around about the 19th, 20th minute. It, you know, Liverpool usually just thrash teams, but the scoreline 1-0, was it Was it um, the full story, do you think? Yeah, I think, it, I think it was. I don't think Liverpool played exceptionally well, I don't think we played exceptionally bad, I think well, it was a tight game where Newcastle were in it till the very end and that was something that Howe touched on afterwards that he was pleased that even though he wasn't very happy with the performance going forward he was glad that you know they weren't out of sight and there wasn't a collapse like there was at Tottenham a couple of weeks ago but I think yeah I don't think necessarily Liverpool were were amazing um, but they're just a machine aren't they they're just a different animal and Jurgen Klopp spent all week moaning about their fixture list and their tight runner games Andy Robertson, 90th minute, he's making a challenge at one end and he's sprinting up the pitch with a ball. And then you've got James Milner in the middle of the park, you know, 36 years old, probably playing his final few games for Liverpool and he looked like a 21-year-old. So, different animal, just a completely different level. And I think if anybody needed reminding the gap between Newcastle and the sort of top four, that was probably an advert for it because 
they rested Salah, they rested Trent, they rested Thiago. They had the luxury of those players off the bench, but even without those players, they uh, they were fully in control. And even though Newcastle had a couple of chances, I don't think they were ever really under too much pressure. You mentioned there the the gap between the top and where Newcastle are. It's a good moment now just to play this quick clip from Eddie Howe's press conference where he addresses the 1-0 defeat to Liverpool. I'd say um, there's been progress. I think we've improved in a lot of aspects of our play, but uh, I think it shows also there's a gap that we have to bridge to the top teams. But I think I'm not surprised by that. I don't think anyone else is. That we have work to do. Um, I think the biggest disappointment today probably is individually. I don't think we... We really excelled, but the team was okay. Um, we were in the game right to the end, but to, to win these games, you need probably six or seven performers right at their top uh, top levels, and that wasn't there. Very interesting, a quick clip, like we mentioned there, Aaron, but one thing that did stand out was that Eddie Howe mentioned the fact that to, to beat a team like Liverpool, you need six or seven top performances, and that wasn't there for Newcastle. So I'm just wondering... Do you think he's talking about that specifically within that game or do you think there's a bit more of a long-term meaning behind that comment? Because I look, I, I listen to that and I'm thinking, well, how does he fix that then? Is that just a bad day at the office for Newcastle or is he hinting that they're going to need to bring in a few in the summer who can consistently perform on the level you need to be able to beat the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City? I think it was probably both ways. I think how knows that there is a gap and it's not going to be an overnight fix and I don't think Howe is going to go into next season looking to try and break into that top six but I think more specifically about Saturday he was he seemed very disappointed after the game at how the attacking players had played and he he doesn't usually get too animated how and he's very safe but you could tell he was quite emotive in what he was saying and that they clearly spent all week trying to plan a counter-attacking game where they were going to try and take it to Liverpool and it just didn't happen he he highlighted that St Maximum didn't really have a good game and, and that he wasn't sort of too pleased with what he'd seen going forward. But I think long term, Howe knows that he needs probably another midfielder, another attacker, probably maybe another two defenders before they're actually going to be mixing up with the likes of Liverpool. I don't think he's under any impression that because they've had this amazing run at home and they've shot up the table that it's a quick fix. And I think for anybody that was sort of getting ahead of themselves, I think it was a nice reminder that actually it is probably going to take a couple of years. You mentioned there the week planning for how to stop Liverpool and Chris Wood once again on the bench and how was asked about the selection afterwards and he mentioned that he just felt the need to stop Liverpool and that you know the other players were better suited to, to maybe being out on the, on the left and that Chris Wood had to make way. And I found that really refreshing because previous managers at Newcastle or the managers at other clubs We'll just go with what has worked in the last few weeks. Newcastle has been on this great run, you know, picked up all these points, all these wins at home. They're now safe from the drop, barring a miracle. And yet he's looked at it and gone, okay, well, what's worked three, four weeks ago against XYZ isn't going to work against Liverpool. And I'm going to I'm going to drop him. I'm going to move this fella into, into this position. And I just think it's a refreshing that he's not just sticking with what has worked and then how oh, they get beat it's still it's Liverpool he's actually looked at it and gone right we need a different plan because every team is different this is one of the best teams in the world and I just thought it was a really refreshing approach to it yeah it was and I'll be honest I looked at the team sheet pre-game and I expected Chris Wood to be on there I thought that 
you know he would have put himself about and it was a surprise to see that he'd been he'd been rested again but yeah I actually asked how after the game what his sort of thought process was on that and he said that they wanted to get the defensive shape right and he thought that that was probably they could do that better without Wood I think he wanted to load that midfield and he knew that if he had Joel in, in attack that he could offer that in attack but he could also drop back so refreshing yeah 100% and I also think that Chris Wood probably doesn't suit that counter-attacking style I think you know the plan was probably to try and get Maxi involved um, quickly which obviously didn't really happen too often but I think Chris Wood when you're up against Van Dijk and you're not going to be playing too too many balls up there then it was probably the right thing to do Wood did come on had a really good chance I know the flag went up I, I haven't actually seen it back but I thought he was on at the time he just looks he just looks like a strike a devoid of a bit of confidence you know he missed that chance where Allison made a good save but he also you know some of the touches that were being fired into him they just wasn't on it they were bouncing off him and I just think you know he's he's came and he's only scored two goals and I just think he looks like a player that could do with a run um time's probably running out you know between the end of the season it, it wouldn't be a surprise if he was benched again against City on Sunday so yeah it, it's a bit of a weird one we would but uh, like you say, I thought it was refreshing that how explained why he'd, he'd opted to bench him. The goal came from Keita. Uh, some people unhappy they felt Fabian Chair was fouled, but you you watch it back again and Milner wins the ball. And we were speaking off air about James Milner. He is just an unbelievable specimen. I mean, do you know what? If we, we get to the summer and, and suddenly Newcastle United have signed James Milner, I'd be applauding that he's I'd just absolutely, absolutely fantastic and there's a reason why he's playing a large part in what could potentially be a historic season for Liverpool even at the, the grand old age of was he 34, 35? 36 36 even yeah. a bit older than that just yeah just fantastic but it was never a foul and, and you know Keita just had um, the, the calm presence to take it around the Bravka and just wait to slot between two on the line and as we mentioned there, Newcastle didn't really threaten too much. Mickey had the goal, uh, ruled off for, for offside. You know, nice work, but he was offside. And then we've mentioned there the wood chance. Uh, Bruno had a little effort towards the end. And a lot of people actually, once again, pointing out that Bruno just looked a class above and he had another decent game. Yeah, Bruno played well. I thought he, he was the best of, not a bad bunch, because I didn't think it was a bad performance, but he, he did have glimpses where you can just tell that he's just that step above. But... I thought that this was the first team that really made it hard for him. Didn't have time on the ball. He wasn't getting those easy fouls as he has been in the last couple of weeks, but I thought it was another good showing from him. Yeah, I mean, Milner was Milner was fantastic, arguably man of the match. And I thought it was funny that in the in the post-match press conference, you know, Liverpool are still on for quadruple. Klopp's just signed a new deal. You know, they've just won again. They've got Champions League semi-final on Tuesday. And about 75% of the questions were about James Milner. Because that was how impressive he was, that everyone after just wanted to know Klopp's thoughts on him, is he staying, blah, blah, blah. So that was testament to him. It was also quite a funny moment where Klopp asked why Milner was getting whistled. Now, I know he was obviously applauded more than he was whistled, but Klopp was very confused as to why um, Milner had a, there was a few smattering of booze when he walk, walked off. He, he made the point that he understood why Henderson was getting the grief, but he didn't sort of understand why Milner was. But yeah, um, look, it was just one of those games where I think the better team won. Liverpool, as we've mentioned, are just a different specimen completely and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they went on and, and won at least two more of the trophies that they're chasing. So just one of those days where it just didn't fall right for Newcastle, I don't think. 
But you look at it and there's disappointment that Newcastle didn't beat Liverpool and that shows you just how far they've come. Because, you know, we've, we've mentioned this before, Newcastle used to play big teams and just turn up because, <laughs> you know, kick-offs at three or half 12 <laughs> and what will be will be. But, you know, he, under how he wants to win everything, and especially now at this stage of the season as well, he's still drilling into his players. There's... There's things to play for, not least their futures. And it was a, I thought they gave themselves a really good, good showing. And you know, you've had the flag displays we've mentioned previously with the, the big server flag going up at the Lisas and you know the flag, the flag chaos as it is around the ground. And the, I don't think it'll be lost that the, the world's attention would have been on that game. And if you see Newcastle, and you're a clever enough player to realise that right at the start of their journey. But they're playing like this, whereas five months ago, you think, goodness me, they're going to get relegated. The stadium's absolutely bouncing. The flags make it look fantastic. What a fantastic advert for players this summer who are maybe weighing up a move and, and going, should we, you know, should we gamble? Kieran Trippier's already gambled. Should we follow? You know, if you, I mean, if you are wondering if you should join them, maybe you're not the right player for Newcastle. But I don't think, you know... Saturday did Newcastle any harm when it comes to advertising what a fantastic club they can be and how far they've come. A hundred percent, and and I think I didn't obviously watch BT Sport on Saturday. I was at the game, but Rio Ferdinand I saw on Twitter had said that it was like a carnival atmosphere beforehand, and it was. And I thought arguably one of Newcastle's better short short periods of the game was the first five minutes. Liverpool couldn't get out their own half for the first four minutes, and Newcastle were pressuring and hassling them. The crowd was up. And that is because pre-game you've got this absolutely amazing display where the players are getting their own flags and the surfers and everybody's up for it and buzzing and it's what an advert it is. And players will be watching that on BT Sport and thinking, Trippier's done it, he's loved up here. Bruno's done it, he's absolutely adored up here. If I can go this summer, if I've got a chance to go, let's get in on the ground floor of what could be an amazing journey playing at one of the best teams in the country with an amazing fan base. And and just on the game, as as we've touched on, there's no free hits now. Eddie Howe wants to win every game. You saw how devastated he was after that Tottenham defeat where he said, we've got to take this as a positive. He was very disappointed on Saturday at how they hadn't performed going forward. He, he wants to win every game. And I think when players are looking at that as well, it just adds to this sort of appeal in Newcastle United. So don't think there was any disgrace on Saturday. I thought they played well. Like I say, they're still in the game for a, for a, practically all of it. Um, so yeah, amazing game. Even in the defeat, I think it was. It can be looked on as a positive. Hmm. And anyhow, had clearly done his homework by getting his players to press Liverpool very early on. They were making mistakes. The ball was going out into to the crowd and what have you. And it was just unfortunate they didn't get an, an early goal in Newcastle because you. I think you're always confident now with the change in mood if they get an early goal, especially against a team like Liverpool, where the twelfth man is very necessary then the atmosphere becomes something totally different and it goes up a level and that pushes Newcastle over the line. As it was, they were defeated 1-0 by Liverpool and they then got Manchester City coming up, but you saw enough positives in the performance against Liverpool to go into that game against Man City without any fear and, and, and hopefully pick up at least a point, do you think? Yeah, 100%. It's, look, it'll be tricky. It'll probably be trickier than Saturday because you don't have that home support behind you, but... I thought the positive from Saturday was how well the defence played. Dubravka had one of his best games in a long time. He, he made a couple of fantastic saves. The defence was organised, compact. Liverpool had you know, the lion's share of chances, but they didn't have too many clear-cut sitters where you thought, 
the defence has switched off there. So if that defence can take that into Sunday, then look, I mean, I'm not I'm not expecting anything from the game, but I'm certainly not expecting them to get hammered as we've seen at certain points this season. So look, if they've got to keep it up, they're safe, they're not going to get Europe. There's that, you know, or a few of them thinking we could be on the beach this Sunday. I hope that's not the case, but I think Howe will have them drilled. But I hope they show up and I hope they give City a game and, and make this title race more interesting. Well, you mentioned there, Dubravka, there was a fantastic save late in the first half from Jota's head and he really had to get a high to tip that one over. And there's been a lot of speculation about Dubravka's future, whether Newcastle will go and sign a new keeper, the Tomo Henderson from Manchester United, and there's been other links as well. But I think Jolin, uh, sorry, Dubravka's performance against Liverpool goes to show why Newcastle aren't on the beach, why they haven't you know, got the cigars out, because you've got players across the pitch who are fighting for their futures. And Dubravka, you know, maybe, may not be one of them, but he put in a very good performance. And if, you know, say if he is, his future is in doubt, maybe not as, uh, not leaving Newcastle, but as Newcastle's number one, and he puts in a performance like that against Liverpool, where without him, it would have been three or four nil, then that makes Eddie Howe think. That makes the recruitment team think, well, actually, is, is a goalkeeper the top priority? And other players, I think, will look at that and go, okay, yeah, that's what I've got to do. And I think that's why the next, the remaining games of the season are so important for the likes of Dubravka, for the likes of Longstaff, for the likes of Matt Target, who, yes, everyone has absolutely loved, but the job's not done yet. He's still got to you know, put in the performances over the next couple of games to, to make sure that the permanent move is sealed. For the likes of Lascelles. I mean, we've seen Fabian Scher earn a new contract largely based on the performance he's put in the second half of this season. So there's a lot to play for. And I think Dubravka there and his performance just a really good example of why the players will not be switching off in the remaining games of the season. Definitely. And how how weird must it be that Martin Dubravka, when fit, starts every game? He's been a fantastic servant. He knows if he's fit, he's starting. And yet he's going to go into this summer thinking, I might not be there in August, or I might not be starting in August. It must be such a weird feeling and for all the positives this takeover is going to bring the club, the players must be thinking, I've got to up my game. So yeah, that, that you make a good point. I think any temptation to be on the beach is probably put off unless you're a, maybe a Bruno or, or someone that knows that they're definitely in that first team next year. Because There's not many on that there list. Is, there is there. not many on that list. And I would even put the likes of, I mean, look, you know Miggy, Miggy's got to perform. Chris Wood has got, he's only came in January, he's got to start performing. Maxi, I love him, How loves him, but he, he's got to show that he that he can mix it with the best and when times aren't going his way, he can he can put in a performance. Matt Target, as you say, not over the line yet. Emil Kraft's done very well, but he's had to fight for his place. 75% of that squad are playing for their futures and, and hopefully they show that against City on Sunday and in the final two games and that does sort of put off the temptation of thinking, oh, well, the season's done and let me just put my feet up and, you know, they do have to play for it. Because Liverpool is kind of the club that Newcastle will look at and think that's how we, we want to be. You know, a, a good player, well, more than a good player, you know, two or three good players in every position. You know, someone drops standard, someone else comes in. Good recruitment off the pitch, a good setup off the pitch as well, a brilliant manager. And you look at the likes of Chelsea as well, you know, their goalkeeper situation. You've got Kepa, you've got Mendy. So you haven't just got one good quality goalkeeper, you've got two then. And, and most teams do have that. Now, Newcastle. Haven't had that in recent seasons. Look, called Dolo is a more than capable goalkeeper. He's not on the level of Dubravka, and he's certainly not on the levels of the likes of 
Mendy or, or, or Alisson, for example. So I think that's another important element as well to what this ownership brings. It's now no longer about filling the position with one good player. It's about filling it with two, maybe three. So the manager has options to drop someone if they don't perform as well as they should do if they've made a mistake, if you know their, their form is just off. Whereas before... Most managers, and I include the likes of Steve Bruce and, and, and you know, going back to John Carver, they, they had limited options when the team wasn't performing well. You know, they couldn't really change it up. Going forward, and I, I guess this is, it's, you know, it's easy to say this because it is probably staring everyone in the face. If you want to be a top side, you're going to want more than one good player in every position. I think the proof was in the pudding before kickoff on Saturday. We got the team sheets in and we saw that Salah had been dropped, Trent had been dropped, Thiago had been dropped. Liverpool now can drop Salah, drop Mane and drop Jota if they wanted and they'd still have Diaz, Firmino and then Minamino or Rigi, which would do a job for quite a lot of Premier League teams. Including Newcastle. And, including Newcastle United. So Eddie Howe has said nothing but nice words about a lot of this Newcastle side. Paul Dummett, I love him, want to keep him. Longstaff, I want to keep him. He hasn't said a bad word about anyone. But there is going to come a time that if Newcastle want to make that step up, those players, as, as much as I don't want to say it, they probably need to go because having Dummett and Longstaff coming off the bench just isn't the same and it isn't going to cut it. So I think that's a long way off. I don't think that's going to be something that happens this summer and how is, you know, bigging up these players because he probably does see a short-term future for them. But if that if that gap is going to be bridged, then it needs to be recruitment of, you know, those world-class players that you can bring on. And equally, we're talking about the players that Liverpool have got compared to Newcastle and the way their squad is. But you look at Jurgen Klopp, you know he's not afraid to make those calls. You know that if he wakes up tomorrow and decides that Mo Salah isn't going to get a new deal, he'll tell him, you move on because it's best for the club. We saw, you know, Suarez was with El Cortinho. You know, there's been examples. Do you think Eddie Howe has got the same mindset where he's not going to be too afraid to tell players, there's the door, I'm sorry, your journey's over? I don't know. Is he is he too nice? I'm not sure because could could be what he's saying to the press to to us about Jacob Murphy, about Sean Longstaff, about Paul Dummett. I mean, there's, there's we, we, there are examples of where he said, "Oh, blah blah's fit," or we've got no new injury concerns, and then they get the team sheet. They're not even in the squad. Could the same be applied to to what's been said about their futures? Yeah, potentially. And look, he's probably got to big them up because they still have a part to play. Whether they're, they're going to be here beyond the summer, they might be called upon now, and they don't want to be thinking, well, I'm just in here for the next couple of games and then I'm gone. But, I mean, you just look on Saturday. Liverpool are going for the Premier League. They're going on all four fronts and they've dropped, you know, two of their best players. It's just different levels and I hope... And look, I mean, Howe is a very shrewd manager. Him and Jason Tindall have done wonders. I just hope that when it comes down to it, he's got the he's got the capacity to do it. And I'm sure he will, but I think we're a long way off of sort of having but to make it, those decisions. Part of it has to start this summer, though. Yeah, definitely, and... Look, if Newcastle wanna if Newcastle wanna get to where the owners want to get and the owners look aren't gonna pull any punches, how doesn't need to pull any punches and if Lucas Proqueta comes in in the summer and you know, Darwin Nunes and all these high profile players coming in the summer, you've gotta get them out and that means Gale and Murphy and players like that, and it's unfortunate as it is, will have to go and look, I'm sure how will look at it in the summer and he's not daft and it's going to be very interesting to see who, I know we keep saying it every week, but who's going to stay and who's going to go. It's mm. it's going to be a fascinating three months. Um, but I think Howe's shown enough in the last couple of months to know that he's uh, 
he's well on top of those things. He's got a lot of the players that he can trust and they've stepped up. It certainly is going to be interesting. Obviously, a few more games to go before we can focus fully on the summer transfer window. But this is the end of the I Think is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep updated with all the latest Newcastle United news. And please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. Totally free to do. Just means with every new episode we upload, you will get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to. And please leave us a rating and review as well. Just helps us get the episodes out to a wider audience. Once again, thank you for listening.